the apocalyptic statistics don't work. People don't connect themselves to the idea that they're going to disappear, that humanity is going to disappear in the next few decades. And even if it is a possibility that we face, our approach is to speak with a lot of positivity and in an action-driven manner. We speak on all of our channels about uh, problems and then there's always a solution. Our guest today has always had a passion for the environment. Now, by combining her passion with a straightforward data-driven style of communication, she educates and empowers individuals and business on their role in protecting the planet. Hello, and welcome to Speak Like a CEO, the leading podcast on CEO communications. I'm Lena Carlson, and I'm here with my co-host Oliver Aus, the CEO of EUIPSO. Lubomila Jordanova is the CEO and founder of Plan A. Plan A is a startup based in Berlin with a purpose. The company offers businesses and individuals guidance on the role they can play in the fight against climate change. Now, climate change is obviously on the top of the agenda these days. However, many people find the fatalistic language of some of the groups who are driving the debate alienating. We had a great conversation with Lubomila about shifting the focus more to positive actions and using technology and the power of business to make environmental science more accessible and easier to understand and therefore actionable. We're about to get into the episode, but of course, just a quick reminder that for a limited time, we're also giving away a free e-copy of our book, How to Speak Like a CEO. All you have to do is sign up for our newsletter, bit.ly forward slash slash ebook. The link is also in the show notes, or you can find it on our website. And now enjoy the episode. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Uh, we wanted you on the show with us today to tell us about um, how you use communications to serve a dual purpose. So welcome to the show and tell us a little about uh, Plan A and yourself. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, well, Plan A is, a, as already mentioned, an action platform in the fight against climate change. Essentially what we do is we collect data to predict where and how climate change will hit the hardest and use the insights to connect businesses to environmental organizations that address the issues and also help businesses uh, to essentially become more sustainable themselves. Can you give us a concrete example? What sort of data do you use? With whom do you connect? And what, what's the outcome of that process? So the data that we use focuses on six themes. Uh, oceans, forests, wildlife, sustainable living, sustainable energy and waste management. Um, we look at over 360 data points. And the point of this is to be able to uh, create priority lists on a country level. So essentially, we create the individual climate change agenda for each country on this planet. How did it come about that you started Plan A? I had a traumatic moment in my life when I had to face uh, climate change and essentially see the human side to uh, where we are today with regards to this crisis. And I felt a deep need to do something about it. And I felt quite shocked that it was really difficult to understand how you can connect to causes, how you can connect to businesses which are sustainable. Um, and essentially, I started digging into a lot of data to understand what's going on. And the more I was learning, the, the more I felt the need uh, to do something of my own uh, on the topic. Can, can you elaborate a little bit on that? I mean, obviously, we're curious what that moment was uh, that... You know, so um, there was one particular trip, which was uh, probably this turning point. I went to Morocco and uh, I was there to surf with some friends. And essentially, we uh, were going each day to the beach. And at some point of the day, you're not allowed as a beginner to go in the water because the waves are too big. So I sat with my book. I started reading and then I ended up... Uh, 
looking around at some point when I was taking a pause and uh, I saw only trash. This is Banana Beach, still one of the biggest and most popular places for surfers in Morocco. I stood up, I started collecting the trash. Within an hour, I had already six bags, uh, which included six pairs of shoes, construction site material, burned bottles. Um, and this was definitely the point when I started looking into pollution and just uh, kind of what are the approaches across the world to respond to pollution. And it turned out that the more you look at one issue, the, the more you see that it's correlated to many others. You know, you cut a tree, you remove the habitat of an animal, the animal goes extinct or moves somewhere else and so on and so on. Like, we can't just think single-handedly about one problem and consider that uh, if you f fix it, climate change is done. Uh, there is a collection of issues that we need to fix, and this is what I found out when I started looking into pollution and consecutively at other issues. Were you interested in environmental protection and climate change before, or was it really a wake-up moment for you? I've always been, uh, I would use the word, obsessed with animals. I think they are wonderfully weird and uh, cute and uh, quite quirky and intelligent. And it has always fascinated me when I go to a new place uh, to first look at what the, the animal population is like. And this has been something that I've developed a lot of knowledge for since I was a child. Uh, but I certainly can only speak at the point when Morocco happened. I was definitely being able to speak about a lot of these species. Also had a passion to clean but <laughs> parks or whatever it is, but definitely not at the scientific level that we now had to develop. I think climate change is a very real and serious issue at the moment. And you even see, you know, in David Attenborough's new series, he's really driving that point home at the moment is what can we do? And I guess that's really what you're trying to do with Plan A. But I think it's sometimes this upward battle where you're still fighting people that are saying climate change isn't real, it's not going to happen. How do you kind of get past that barrier? Planning has chosen a particular approach when it comes to communication, which has proven to be successful. And it's the idea that the apocalyptic statistics don't work. People don't connect themselves to the idea that they're going to disappear, that humanity is going to disappear in the next few decades. And even if it is a possibility that we face, our approach is to speak with a lot of positivity and in an action-driven manner. We speak on all of our channels about uh, problems and then there's always a solution. We always explain how this problem can be solved. So you feel empowered at the end of reading an article, listening to an event that we organized or uh, uh, just communicating to anyone from the team. Do you think this is important to have this kind of solution presented in front of people to get them motivated? Uh, I think so because uh, it's... The science is complicated and the problems related to climate change are incredibly complicated. But when you present someone with an idea that is uh, not as abstract as essentially like a model that has been built to predict the climate uh, in the next hundred years, you kind of find your way to get involved. And this could be in many ways. It's not necessarily related to uh, money. It is also related to time, skills, and so on. And we see it with the people that have connected to Plan A. And do you now have a, a communication strategy for Plan A for yourself? Or is it something that has evolved naturally over time? I communicate in a really straightforward manner. And I take the approach of being positive, but also with a, speaking with the sense of urgency that the topic requires. This is developed naturally in the sense that I feel 
this need to speak in this kind of manner because of the fact that I know a lot. I constantly repeat to to my team and to everyone that touches anything that Planet does is that you can't unknow what you know about climate change. You can't just like refuse to take responsibility and refuse to accept the facts. And this is my approach and I speak to people in the way that it would make them understand that they have a role to play because this is one of the most disheartening aspects of communication related to climate change on a political, sometimes on a business level. It has been made difficult for people to see how they can at all be involved. Um, and this, I think, is not true and it has to be uh, made clear to everyone. It seems to me that you really wear your heart on your sleeve when you talk about climate change. Um, but what's interesting I find about Plan A is that it's very data-driven as well. Um, how does that kind of um, come together? We looked at uh, a few hypotheses in the beginning of Plan A. One of them was that science was not communicated in a manner that people engage. So this is where the communication strategy comes from. The second aspect was that we felt a bit lost with the dynamic of only talking about emissions, which is kind of the general perspective that is being used on a political, on a business level. And we were looking at a lot of data. And when you look at the big picture, the reality is that it's not about emissions. It's about a broken ecosystem. And We've taken this approach and these two uh, parts of Plan A live together quite harmoniously because we need to speak in an empathetic way to the people that are building the solutions, that understand the problems and in a way that we can collaborate with them. Uh, but on the other hand, we have to back up the choices that we make in terms of who do we promote on our platform, who do we try to chase to get them to have a project with us and so on because there's no time and this is something that uh, we all need to accept and work on in the next few decades. And how do you, uh, there are probably two challenges at least, um, people who are not quite convinced that climate change is, is real and man-made and people who accept that but say, well, I'm one of 7.7 mm. billion people on the planet, whatever I do doesn't really make any difference. How do you address these two, just specifically, how do you convince people, say, at a dinner party or a you know, reception, uh, whatever networking opportunity you, you encounter? What are your two sort of, in a few seconds, convincing, persuasive uh, sentences you use? So uh, I'll start in a more speculative manner. I hope that there's very few people on this planet that uh, are not convinced that climate change exists. They still, some of them still pretend that they don't know, but I think it's been made quite clear over the last few, uh, definitely months. What I normally do is I ask a person on uh, where does their food come from? And it's quite interesting to see the response uh, because some people immediately speak about the supermarkets, which is quite funny. <laughs> Others speak about the farm that they specifically uh, buy from. But then I ask them, okay, but go a bit deeper, like, you know, before it even started. And then I explain about the whole ecosystem and kind of the connection between each of the aspects. Like you need the water, you need uh, someone to take care of this uh, plant, you need it in order for it to be healthy, you need it to be not part of a monoculture, but actually part of um, consistently well-developed garden and so on. And I explain this cycle and people are kind of, ah, huh, and the animals, and they're dependent on that, and we are dependent. And then they start maybe understanding for themselves that, you know, we're part of an ecosystem that we're dependent on, and you can't, one plus one makes 
10 when it's on the negative side when it comes to climate change. And we've been so consistent with damaging this ecosystem. And it's so easy to see that we've poked a lot of aspects of these channels. So uh, this is my approach to the people that don't. Uh, that's, that's very interesting because you mentioned the sort of emissions-centric approach that you often hear is being communicated and yours is much more holistic um, you know nature we are part of nature Humboldt like almost right since we're in Berlin yeah <laughs> yeah and the other question so ooh, what can I do I'm just one of one of billions for these people I use the example of the uh, garbage patch that is in the Pacific Ocean so this patch is made out of eight billion decisions that we've made you know because it's a lot of plastic bags, it's earbuds, like it's a lot of different items that we use on a daily basis and we've consciously gone to the shop to buy them, then we've disposed them and they have ended up in the water system because unfortunately waste management systems across the world are not as effective as we would want them to be. This proves that we can do a lot of damage <laughs> individually and together and I think because of the fact that people have been made into consumers over the last decades, we have lost this sense of individual responsibility and individual capacity to be change makers. I think more and more it's turning into the opposite because people are understanding how much their voice matters. And I think this is what Plan A not only believes in, but we this is why we exist. I think there's lots of challenges when it comes to climate change and how we deal with this in the near future. In a second, though, we'd love to dive into one of your personal challenges. Welcome back. So maybe tell us about a time when you had to face a personal communications challenge and how you overcame it. Two weeks ago, I was speaking at an event and I was speaking in front of a group of a lot of corporates, which is kind of who we work with uh, in any case, but particularly these ones were just a new audience that I hadn't met before. One particular guy in the audience was quite... I don't want to use the word disrespectful, but kind of a bit uh, cynical maybe about what we do. That is like a bit, maybe sounded a bit hippie-ish. So I don't know what it is. But And he made a comment after my presentation that certainly was showing that he didn't understand the concept and also maybe wasn't feeling an interest or a possibility for him to get involved in fighting climate change in any way. And um, I just gave the example of company and it's kind of, contribution to the negative impact on the planet, not their particular, not his particular company, but just in general, like businesses and how much they influence on a personal level with the employees, on a, a financial level, uh, the whole country system, so to say. And then I added the aspect of the environmental impact that we have by all the resources that we use. And then that even if you're not, uh, let's say, logging company, you still are with huge responsibility because of the choices of investments you make because of uh, so on. And he came afterwards to speak to me. Uh, it was a way to apologize, but it was not a direct apology, but he wanted to chat more. So I think in a, in a, in a non-invasive manner uh, and in a non-invasive and non-aggressive uh, communication style, people respond well. Yeah. I think what's actually interesting about what you're doing is that not only is it, you know, doing something good for the planet and raising awareness, it is also profit-driven. Um, do you find that people have a different reaction when they learn that? Certainly. I've been confronted with the question of... Uh, But how can you be doing, are you taking money from the NGOs? No, we're not. Uh, we take money from businesses. People ask, like, but how is it possible to connect purpose and business? I think we should 
leave these old notions of uh, business being uh, purely related to profit. Businesses are made of people. People have interests. People have a lot of kind of personal responsibility that sometimes they decide to dedicate to the environmental cause. And also they have customers. I think as a business, we've chosen to be a business because it gives us this uh, sense of urgency to respond to our own KPIs that we've imposed on ourselves. And also I think... I feel quite happy to be contributing with taxes to the system and to be able to, uh, you know, develop my team and so on and the economical system that we're being supported by as well. I don't think the structure of an NGO would be the most appropriate for us. Uh, we support NGOs, but we're kind of the meeting point and we also offer different services and so on. So for us, choosing to be a business was never in question because I believe that this is the structure that can quickly give the right answers for societal issues. Maybe on the other hand, because you are acting completely the same way as a business, do you think that some of the other businesses and partners that you work with take you more seriously what you're doing? I must say yes. Uh, it's, uh, it is quite important uh, for the businesses that we work with, for them to see credibility and to see history, but they also want to know that they are going to get a business benefit from what we do. And by being a business, we show that we know also uh, how to do these things and our track record proves that we're business-minded. <laughs> What's really interesting here is you've decided to be a business or run a business and cooperate with other businesses to have more impact to fight climate change. That's obviously a very different approach from, say, Fridays for Future, who chosen a direct action approach and a basic confrontation with business. Mm -hmm. What do you think about their approach and you know their communication style, which is obviously much more aggressive? Fridays for Future is an important movement because I think they speak on behalf of a specific group of our society that definitely has not been well represented in the past when it comes to the climate change discussion. One thing to clear the, the facts, we are working only with businesses that don't do any greenwashing. We do not work with any oil companies. The businesses that we work with, we confront them to become even better, but they're already on their way to be sustainable even before they knew about our existence. I think the approach of Fridays for Future is focused on governments and governmental action. I think it's a good channel to build a big community and an important community because these are the decision makers of tomorrow and I'm sure that by being with this mindset today they would be able to build a better future for the next generations. It's a different uh, approach but the cause is uh, kind of you know the end result that we want is definitely uh, for climate change to come to an end and uh, with this I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Do you have a couple of recommendations, like two or three recommendations for companies, what they can do to, you know, reduce the impact on the environment if they're on the right path and have the right mindset? So there's a few uh, possibilities for companies to immediately become better to the planet. Uh, one is to look internally. And we've been working now with uh, over 100 businesses and each one of them, when you look at their waste management system, with the way they use certain natural resources like paper and so on, there's very small tricks uh, that one can use to essentially become immediately a lot more sustainable. Then the other aspect that we champion a lot is talking about your successes when you do 
something for the planet, something good for the planet. Uh, we work with a lot of companies that uh, with us have done cleanups, done some info sessions internally and for their customers with regards to the sustainability of their products and so on. This matters and people should be able to see that this mindset exists already in businesses and that we should remove this constant label of like businesses are evil and so on. Because this is not true for all of them and it's not fair on the ones that are making the good effort. And then the final tip would be stop postponing because I think there's a lot of businesses that have a lot of access to resources and they're always saying, oh, we're not yet at the stage, maybe to have like a sustainability department or officer. Start small. It doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, half of your profit goes for an environmental cause, but it could be simply talking to your team about their passions. We have so many of the businesses that we work with who have come to us through their employees. So the employee goes and speaks on our behalf and is like, I found this company, they do this. Shall we talk to them and see what they can help us with? So I would say these three things. I really like that. You know, start small and talk about your successes. Celebrate the small milestones. I think that's a really good attitude for everything in business and life. An enter virtuous circle, yeah. We talked about the style of communication and communication strategy, but maybe let's talk about channels as well. You go out and talk to a lot of people. You have to go on podcasts. You're out in the media. What channels do you think have the biggest impact for you? Social, for instance, digital? I use the typical social media channels, and this uh, has been also a necessity for Planet itself. I think still today, each company is quite dependent on social media, and I've been incredibly impressed with LinkedIn and the quality of content that is being shared there and the thought leaders that emerge. I also speak at a lot of events and I take any opportunity to actually meet people face to face. Uh, we do a lot of events in Planet itself and uh, this gives me the opportunity to kind of connect to the opinions, the mindsets and also to like-minded people and also people with different opinions that we potentially can explain why climate change matters. So this has been my, my approach. I think media is really important and uh, more and more you see media speaking about climate change, but I'm still not convinced by necessarily the language that is being used. It could be improved, I would say. I know I talked about him before. I feel like David Attenborough has done a lot for climate change and I really appreciate his kind of approach. Do you have another role model when you look to how you communicate about the topic? I would have to say that for me it's not the a particular communicator itself but more the approaches that I've uh, observed and I would hope that we get to the point where communication could be transmitted from one stakeholder to another in the same language. And to elaborate on this, what I mean is that if you look at climate change itself, governments speak about emissions, and Paris Agreement is the kind of high point of uh, our commitments. Businesses speak about emissions, accounting standards that now have to be aligned to environmental issues. Uh, individuals speak about buying reusable bottles and kind of the language is different, the problems are different and the solutions obviously are different and I think this is not helping anyone and I would say that the approach that we use and I think has helped us get quickly visibility is the fact that we don't change our language when we speak to businesses and individuals and Yeah, it's kind of the way, I think, to go uh, in the future when it comes to the topic of climate change. Breaking down what that actually means, 
Is that that you use very simple terminology as well when you talk to businesses or you try and talk about that individual impact? Like what exactly do you mean? No, no. We uh, we use quite sophisticated language when we speak to businesses also about our data and we want to educate them about these issues because I think it's really important for people to understand what the reality of climate change is. The point that I'm making is that the data and the insights that we share with businesses are the same as the one that we share with individuals at our events. And the point of this is that all of us are people with a lot of different hats. You are, uh, you know, you could be a family member, you could be an employee, you could be an employer, you could be a champion of a certain sport that you do in your free time. And you should be able to switch these uh, hats, but be prepared uh, for the topic of climate change at the same level, I would say. Cool. And finally, um, what is your communication strategy to make sure that you and Plan A kind of continue to lead the way when it comes to climate change? We are talking only about actions. (laughs) Of course, we use the data when this is kind of at the core of what we do to make sure that we're putting our efforts into the right direction. But the communication strategy that we use is that we explain the science, we break it down in in an understandable language without disrespecting the science itself. And then we always connect this to either project that we work with that is solving this problem. The point of this is that you need to be able to understand the whole cycle of the issue in order to potentially prevent this problem from ever existing. You mentioned that the media are not necessarily a, a central part of your strategy for, when it comes to communications. However, you've been honoured, for instance, one of the top 100 entrepreneurs uh, to watch by BizPunk, uh, by BusinessPunk. Is that sort of media attention helpful? Does it open doors for you? Does it get your attention? Or do you see it as a double-edged sword? I think media is incredibly important and I think uh, they have a massive role to play in any discussion that involves the whole of society and climate change is certainly a topic like that. We find it really beneficial because we don't have five faces. We speak in the same manner and uh, with honesty and uh, with this action-driven approach to anyone that wants to speak to us and uh, it has been incredibly humbling to see how much media attention we've been getting because we have never approached the journalists to ask them to write an article about us. We've just been told that someone is going to write about us, which is amazing. Just word of mouth, yeah. Do you think it makes sense to reach out more to the media to get even more uh, attention for Plan A? Uh, I focus my time on... um, doing other things and it has not been a strategy of ours so far to uh, reach out because we just have a lot of work so yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're busy. but so th- thanks again for coming on the podcast I mean considering how busy you are and one of the things that keeps you busy I suppose is talking to investors because you you are a business you want to grow fast you want to scale for impact how do you sell the idea of a dual business dual purpose business to investors and is, is that ever an issue Uh, There's been a lot of issues uh, historically, and uh, thank you for this question, because I think it's one that needs to be more publicly discussed. Investors, uh, even the ones that uh, impact investors, quite often use the same metrics as a typical VC. So Plan A had to change business model a few times until we got it right so that we become a VC case. We are fundraising at the moment and we're in discussions with quite a lot of angels in Berlin who have uh, already part of their portfolio uh, sustainable businesses 
who are for profit, uh, that are for profit, so they understand the possibility of making profits while also being good for the planet or uh, solving a societal issue. Yeah. What are some of the specifications that you're looking for in an investor? Mm. We don't look at... uh, people who can only provide us with money, but such that would be able to help us with strategic advice. We speak to people who are feeling the sense of urgency related to climate change and also have had historically angel investment uh, exactly from this kind of investor. And I think it's really important uh, to, to make this choice because it is quite challenging to build a company. There's a lot of different phases, different types of problems that you face and people with expertise in the investment field also understand the operational side and we believe that this is what benefits us the most. And is it, is it, does it help here to have the dual purpose when, when you communicate it to investors? Do they say, great, that's exactly what we were looking for because we want to invest ethically? Or is it, mm, does it get in the way of earning us money? I must say that I've heard a lot of no's historically, and this hasn't stopped us from knocking on more doors, but uh, I would definitely say that there is a big proportion of investors that still think that purpose cannot be combined with profit. And we now have quite a good idea of the different types of investors that are out there, especially in Europe. And we connect to the ones, and we're talking now to the ones that understand that these two uh, notions can coexist. I really like that you mentioned communicating with purpose and profit. I think that's a very good way um, to approach it. And I wanted to know, just before we wrap up today, what would be your final piece of communications advice? I think people sometimes forget how big the power of humor is. <laughs> I use it in my communication with my team, with anyone that I have a connection with. And I would say, whenever in doubt, uh, always feel comfortable to be positive and connect with people on this level because I think this is the ultimate uh, icebreaker. Wonderful, yeah. Uh, it's been really um, enlightening to have a, you know, this conversation with you. I think it's so much. And uh, I have to say, businesses have come a long way. And I think our understanding as a society of the social responsibility of, uh, of businesses in 1970, Milton Friedman wrote in the US that uh, the social responsibility of businesses is to increase its profits. And I think if we hear that today, it sounds quite quaint and doesn't, doesn't fit our times anymore. So it's really enlightening to have that conversation, the, the dual purpose of how to scale with impact and have positive impact on, on people, planet, and profits, uh, while at the same time relying very much on communications to make that happen. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, appreciate this conversation because of its honesty and the good questions that I've been asked. Thanks so Thank much. You. listening to another episode of speak like a ceo for bonus material from the show and to learn more about this week's amazing guest make sure to head to our website how to speak like a ceo.com or sign up to our newsletter to receive exclusive offers got a question for oliver and i we love hearing from you and if you're loving the podcast don't forget to rate and review the podcast you can find us on twitter at like a ceo underscore and instagram at eo ipso see you next time